listeners. Welcome to the Enterprise Mobility Insights Outlook podcast. I'm Gina Daniel-Lee, Vice President of Strategic Alliances and Partnerships here at Stratix. This is another episode in our season of podcasts around the biggest challenges enterprise customers are facing. Our topic for today is around the huge shift in customer expectations. We've seen it, we've experienced it, and maybe we actually are it. It began with the so-called Amazon effect, where people expected to be able to get nearly anything, and I mean anything, delivered to their doorsteps quickly and easily. With the pandemic, we also saw a dramatic increase in buy online, pick up in store. Consumers realized that they like it. I mean, why wouldn't they? It's so convenient, and the trend continues. It means retailers must meet these new customer expectations with seamless experiences between digital and brick and mortar. To dig into this topic with me a little bit more, I'm happy to be joined today with, by Stratix Chief Strategy and Solutions Officer, Alex Kalish. Hey, Alex, welcome back hey. to the podcast. Hey, Gina, good to talk to you. Thanks for having me back. Of course. So for those listeners who are new to our podcast, let's just start by having you tell your uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I've spent the last uh, three years at Stratix as the chief strategy and solutions officer. So understanding that uh, changing consumer behavior and all those dynamics you just described in your intro uh, is is super important and something I spend a lot of time uh, thinking about. And and, you know, I think this podcast topic is even a little more personal for me because prior to Stratix, I actually spent uh, three years working at Amazon. So I'm I'm very familiar with the impact that Amazon has had uh, on retail in general um, and, and on, you know, broadly consumer buying behavior and shaping customer expectations. So I think it's a great topic and I'm looking forward to chatting with you about it today. This is going to be a great conversation, I'm sure. Let's jump right in. You know, I mentioned in my intro the Amazon effect and how the pandemic also shifted customer expectations. What's the current state and are you seeing any new trends? So I, at first, I mean, the Amazon effect, I think, as you've, as you've rightly called it, has been around long before the, the pandemic. And if you can believe it, Amazon Prime was actually launched in, in 2005 in the U.S., um, which when it started, I believe, guaranteed two-day delivery, and it was for something north of a million or so products, which is really amazing uh, to think about back in the early 2000s. So they set this standard uh, of convenience way back, uh, you know, 17 plus years ago, and they've enhanced it obviously a lot since then, spanning a much broader selection of products, and in some cases now even offering same-day or, or one-day shipping, which is which is really incredible when you think about um, their scale uh, and their breadth. So fast forward 17 years and that convenience, which was really so unique at the time, has now just become table stakes. Uh, and, and it's table stakes expectations for customers um, that really has to be replicated and has been by a number of, uh, uh, number of retailers, most retailers actually. Um, so during that pandemic, I mean, obviously this became the primary means for customers to shop. There was no alternative. Um, so I think the pandemic certainly shined a, a pretty bright light on the benefits of a near you know, real-time consumption model, and also at the same time helped accelerate a lot of other use cases that were around, but perhaps weren't, um, you know, weren't as prevalent and maybe a bit more nascent. Um, use cases like buying online, picking up in store, curbside delivery, which are still very much in use today. And uh, I can I can speak personally. I actually. Uh, in some cases, have a preference to purchase something online 
um, and, and sit in the parking lot and have it delivered uh, and put in my trunk. It's incredibly convenient um, and I enjoy the experience. Um, so, I mean, and, and I think you can just look at any retailer parking lot and you'll find all these dedicated parking spots for curbside pickup, which is not something you would have seen three years ago. Um, so it's a lot more, it's a lot more prevalent and a lot more tangible. So I think that experience between buying online versus buying in a store, it's, it's continuing to converge and customers want to have that same type of frictionless shopping experience, regardless of whether they're in their own home or, uh, or in a physical brick and mortar store. Those are really good points. And I think it's crazy to think about Amazon being around for 17 years. Um, let's talk about the business model for retailers. Is it different? And what does it look like now? Yeah, so I, I think I think it is different. And I think more so now than ever, customers want to interact with retailers really on their own, on their own terms. So like I said, they they have to, they're expecting this seamless experience between their physical in-store interactions and their digital ones. So what that means is that the, the traditional, or you could even call it a legacy approach, I think, of having multiple siloed channel interactions has, has kind of gone away in favor of this omni-channel, or it's also been called a, a unified commerce experience, where customers get this really consistent, convenient experience, regardless of how they're buying. And they also, they don't lose anything by cycling between the two uh, channels. So I, I'd say, in fact, m most retailers that have a brick and mortar and e-commerce presence um, achieving that that kind of unified experience where customers can physically and also digitally interact with product, it can be a real advantage if it's done right, um, but only if a retailer is able to make that experience really consistent between the two so that customers feel like they're they're buying from retailer X and they're not buying from retailer X's website uh, or retailer X's physical store. And to do that means having a lot of things. It means having you know one version of the truth for product availability and stock levels and inventory. It means the same thing's true for pricing, consistent pricing across channels, a checkout process that's quick and it's painless. Uh, it, it means en enabling these use cases that we talked about, like buy online, pick up in the store and curbside. It means arming the, the associates that are inside the store with all the different tools that they're gonna need to really support customers quickly uh, and, and with all the right information at their fingertips to do it. And it also means, uh, and maybe this one's a little more um, uh, uh, future thinking, and I think in some cases it's happening, but it means recognizing buyer behavior and a buyer's preferences and, and having personalized offers and all those things that uh, are, are really taken for granted right now online, um, but, but are migrating to the point where those things remain consistent in a store as well. So this next question is multifaceted. So let's say you're a retailer. How do you provide the kinds of seamless experiences that customers want? And, and do mobile devices help? And, and what are some of the use cases? Yeah, so I think it's a great question. I, I think first, uh, achieving that experience for customers, um, giving that experience to customers really requires retailers to first have a unified platform that brings together in real time or almost real time, all the different data that they need uh, across all their channels from their front system, front office systems to their back office systems, all in one place so that can be leveraged consistently across the entire organization with one single version of the truth. So that that is that that's necessary. That has to happen. So, you know, certainly, you know, the, the systems and the integrated data is, is a must, but you don't get the full unified omni-channel experience unless you have associates that have the right kind of technology in their hands to actually be able to access and use that data 
um, with customers or use that data to perform a function inside of a store. And that means whether you're an associate working in a, in a back office, like a stock room or even a fulfillment center, uh, or someone working in front house you know, type of capacity where you're actually interfacing with customers, the right type of mobile technology is really critical to having that seamless omni-channel kind of experience. And, and these days, um, you know, associates being tethered to a desktop or a, a fixed checkout area, they're, they're gone uh, or, or they will be gone soon. Uh, so creating that unified commerce experience we talk about really requires the associates to be out in front, interacting with customers, and they have to have the right technology to do that. Um, and, and, you know, working at Stratix in the last few years, we've got a number of different, uh, 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 you know, real world kind of examples where we've helped to enable that with customers. One that I'm thinking of in particular is where a retailer that had 24, 2,500 locations in, in North America, and their challenge was that they were actually losing out on in-store sales in instances where product may not have been available um, inside the store. So customers were just walking out and they were buying it from somewhere else. Um, so they really wanted to try to make that a seamless experience. And also they were struggling getting uh, the most productivity out of their in-store associates because they were really tethered into a traditional kind of checkout, fixed checkout kind of area. So we helped design a, a pretty comprehensive mobile technology program for them that put devices uh, in the hands of every in-store associate uh, and made it really easy for them to order any out-of-stock items on the spot and also have it delivered directly to the customer's home. So by doing this and then also combining it with a mobile point of sale attached to device, the customer was able to really leverage line busting as well. So associates you know, di didn't have to be tethered to the checkout aisle anymore and they're now more empowered to get out there and actually interact with customers um, while also being able to satisfy their ordering needs to the extent something wasn't available. That's a great example. You know, I notice when I go into a retail environment, there seems to be a lot of new devices and technology being used by retailers, which is really exciting, especially since we're in the technology business and we provide to retailers, right? Talk to me a little bit about that, how we're seeing that shift. Yeah, so I, I think the great thing for retailers today is just the wide variety of technology solutions that they actually have at their disposal. Um, and and the, the you know the the combinations and the capabilities are literally endless. Um, so so the technology, the tools are are there now, and that wasn't always the case. Um, and then when you when you add on all the different options, the physical customizations, the software configurations, the different applications uh, that can be leveraged to meet all the different use cases um, and, and help kind of integrate that front and, and and back of house operation, it's really incredible the power that a single device can actually have in transforming those customer experiences and shaping how a business uh, like like a retail business can actually perform. So certainly, you know, in terms of actual devices, certainly handhelds with integrated point of sale sleds. Uh, are really common to transacting with customers. We see that a lot, um, and it helps again transact with customers really, uh, or uh, customers regardless of, of where they are inside of the store. Um, and those don't have to be a single function device uh, that just has to be used for processing transactions, like in the example I gave a few minutes ago, where those devices can be used to check stocking levels or inventory levels or order something from another store. Can also be used to process payment inside of a store. Um, we see a lot of scanners and, and, and wearables of which there are a number of, of different flavors. Um, and that technology has really, really advanced to the point where customers can almost be kind of hands-free uh, scanning things um, and, and incredibly efficient at different levels. Uh, when you think about the size and scale of a warehouse, having the right kind of tools to scan things at high levels in different places and do it accurately is incredible. And that technology really exists and is, and is uh, incredibly valuable. 
Um, we see tablets that get integrated into kind of kiosk structures. So that can be really used heavily by customers to self-serve a checkout or even to kind of have placed throughout a store to help verify pricing at different levels so you don't have to walk up to the front or, or find an associate. And then there are a bunch of other devices, I mean, you know, like overhead cameras that we see a lot of being used more traditionally for loss prevention, but increasingly now are being used for analytics. So that, that example I gave of measuring customer behavior when, they, when you're inside of a store, this is where these really advanced cameras uh, actually come into play um, to help understand how many people can be in line at a checkout or how customers are moving throughout the store, where they're lingering, and that can help optimize layout. It can help understand general buying behavior, um, and 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 that's you know that's something that again we take for granted online. But this kind of technology really helps bridge that gap even further between the buying uh, behavior uh, online and the buying behavior of a customer inside the store. And, yeah. and there's obviously more. Those are just a few. No, those are great examples. Um, so let's talk a minute about implementation, kind of that last mile, right? What are the challenges to implementation these days? Yeah, so uh, you know, the first one I'd say is kind of the inverse of what I just talked about, the flip side to having such a variety of technologies and configurations and possibilities that you can create is that it can be daunting. Um, and, yeah. and, and it can be complicated to understand which technology or combinations of technologies and software and configurations are going to be best suited for what I need and for the outcomes that I want to deliver uh, in, in my organization. And you know that becomes even more complex when you think about how those technologies may have to interact with other systems that are already in place uh, mm -hmm. and other technologies that that may already be be used. Um, so having that kind of expertise that can really help consult around the solution design and, and selection is is I think critical. Uh, before putting something out to the business that may not that may not work or may not meet the desired result, you don't want to make this big strategic kind of capital and technology decision uh, and then have to unwind it because you recognize it wasn't ideal for uh, your particular use case. So um, I think that's the first thing. Uh, you know, the second is, and what I describe is really more around the solutioning piece, but actually implementing and deploying this kind of technology. Uh, at scale for retailers that have hundreds or thousands of locations or tens of thousands of associates and employees is a big challenge and and something that you know an organization trying to do themselves uh, can can be very daunting. So you know taking a device configuration that is really, really customized to meet a particular business need and then trying to replicate that at scale uh, at at a cost that makes sense for tens or hundreds of thousands of devices, and then all the logistics to get them where they need to be isn't easy. And it's not something traditional IT staffs were, were really optimized and, and built for. Um, and then I'd say, lastly, just making sure that the right support model is in place to, to keep those devices running once they're actually uh, deployed is, is it's an ongoing need. And I think it's really critical to making sure retailers continue to realize the benefits of, of the mobile technology that, uh, that they've deployed long after that rollout, uh, that rollout is complete. Completely agree. So as we start to close, let's chat a minute about best practices. And you're really good at this particular topic, Alex. What are some best practices for retailers as they think about mobile solutions? Yeah, well, thanks for the compliment, Gina. I appreciate it. Um, so I, I think, you know, first thing is you kind of have to think beyond the business you have today. Um, and, and that brings a, a kind of strategic element to these types of uh, technology decisions. So thinking about the business you're, you know, you're going to have three, five, and 10 years from now is really important and I think can help 
avoid a lot of costly rework or redesign when you're when you're thinking about new um, you know new types of product offerings or, or different types of expansions that your business may get into and contemplating that as part of the initial uh, design is, is really important. So integrating those technology decisions into a broader strategy, I think is one thing. Um, I think device selection and solution design probably garners the most attention, um, but just as important is, again, the, the plan to support those devices and the associates using them once they're out in the field. And that's really critical to minimizing any type of disruption and just making sure you're getting the most out of the technology that you actually spent a lot of money uh, for uh, to deploy. Um, I'd say, you know, maybe one other thing that I think gets overlooked a lot is how you're going to drive adoption in the field uh, and make sure that the associates who these devices and technologies intended for are using them in the way that you intended for them to use it. Um, and, and if, you know, if associates don't really understand the benefits of this technology and the rationale for it, they may not be completely bought into using it. Um, so having the proper training tools, for associates to, to learn how to use the device and learn how to use it in, in, in their environment uh, and the function that they're actually performing versus, you know, just, just reading something in a, in, a, in a document is really important to making sure you're driving this kind of adoption and you're ensuring that devices are being used again in the way they were intended for. And, you know, kind of along those same lines, and this is something we see a lot more of, is empowering associates with, with, with technology has really positive impacts on their overall engagement in the business and even retention. Um, so incorporating maybe an HR uh, representative or an HR department into these types of decisions and the execution plan can really help drive that adoption and engagement and make sure you're getting the most value out of, out of your technology investment. That's really great insight. So if you remember from last time when you were here, we like to end the podcast with a little bit of fun with some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready as I'll ever be. Let's do it. All right. What's your favorite way to get exercise? So that's a good question. Admittedly, I I, I need to get better on this front, but I, I find it really helpful to exercise with other people. I think mm -hmm. that helps keep it fun, and 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 uh, it's always good to have someone holding you accountable. Um, and I'm also partial to just exercising in the morning to start off my day and kind of get it out of the way. I find that. If you if you hold it off till the end of the day, it's, there's too many distractions that pop up, and it's just really easy to uh, prioritize other things. There's always an excuse not to, right? Always. What app can't you live without? There's a lot of them, uh, but certainly my Amazon app, which is which is relevant <laughs> for this discussion, is, right. is in he heavy rotation, especially this time of year. Um, and then also, I say like a central calendar app really helps keep me. Uh, organized, helps kind of balance my professional commitments with my personal commitments and all the logistics that uh, that that come with having a family and different activities and all those things is uh, is is important. Like it. And finally, what would the title of your autobiography be? Well, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of great autobiographies. Uh, I guess I'd say since since uh, since me is was already taken by Elton John, I, I'd probably okay. say something like. Um, raising my hand or something like that, which is which has been a common theme throughout my career as a means to just volunteer and learn new things and and always try to maintain some level of discomfort, which which I always find to be important to uh, to growth. I like that. So when it comes out, you have to promise me a signed copy. Done. First edition. All right. Great. Alex, it was great to have you back on the podcast. Thank you for joining me and I hope you'll come back. Absolutely. Thanks, Gina.
And listeners, if you liked what you heard and would like more information or would like to sign up for future episodes, please visit us at stratexcorp.com slash podcast to subscribe. We'd also love it if you would rate and leave a review for any podcast that you've listened to or suggest any future topics you would like for us to explore. I'll see you next time. Goodbye.